how much of this day were you really aware of what was how much did you reflect on the way things are in the uh, Patita Samupada the beginning is Avicca Bhajaya Sankhara which translates as ignorance conditions the comic formation now Avicca is is the ignorance of not knowing the Four Noble Truths. There's avicca in any being who does not understand suffering, the arising cessation in the past. And we can say that person has has avicca or ignorance. So this insight knowledge is most important to to have vita. Well, the the word for knowledge in this sense is is vita. Vita is to know the four noble truths to have insight into suffering, origin, cessation, and path. That's vita. But avicca conditions the sankharas. And the sankharas in this in this sense are when we when we don't understand the truth, and we don't have haven't had insight into truth, and we're not aware of it, of truth at all, then we create the I am, the sankara I am is created, conditioned from, from that avicca. Now, the Four Noble Truths, you notice it, it's not say, I suffer, is it? The First Noble Truth is that I suffer. The First Noble Truth is there is suffering, there is dukkha. <coughs> not saying that anybody suffers. However, we think we suffer, don't we? We think, I suffer, I suffer a lot. I've suffered a lot in this life. He's a real sufferer. She suffers all the time. I suffer. I've suffered a lot in my life. My mother, my father, nobody has ever done exactly, exactly what I've ever wanted. There's been so many imperfections. And I wasn't born with the best karmic formations available on this, on this planet. So I really had to suffer for me. But this suffering is is a, is what we create out of avicca, out of ignorance. And so the important point the Buddha made was to to have knowledge rather than ignorance. So this, this practice is a way of knowledge, of knowing. It's all about knowing the truth. That's why I don't particularly feel sorry for anybody when they think they suffer a lot. People come to me, women who say, oh, I was molested as a child and and I was this and that, and you poor thing. I really feel sorry for you that you've, that you've had to suffer because 
this is this is not the position of of uh, knowing, is it? It because things have happened to me in the past, because things have unfortunate occurrences have happened, and then we can we can always indulge and carry on in the present with all kinds of additional sufferings. But when there's vicha knowledge, insight, then there's nobody. There's nobody to suffer. There's seeing things as they are. The ability for every human being in this room to see clearly the way things are and not create suffering about it. Now admittedly, we've all experienced unfortunate things or have done foolish things and this is is, this is uh, just ordinary human experience isn't it when you're born into uh, into the world into a into a family into a society you're you're in for anything anything can happen to you that it's possible that that uh, from the the most fortunate of life's experiences the most unfortunate ones are possible for us. That's the result of birth. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way it is that that birth in the human realm means you're taking a risk, aren't you? You don't quite sure what you're getting into. It could be a real mess. It could be a delight. Or it could be sometimes messy and sometimes delightful or three-quarters messy, one-fourth delightful, or one-quarter messy, three-fourths mediocre, and no delight. <laughs> I think you get the point. <laughs> so that, that this is, that is the risks of birth. Being born means that we are subject to all kinds of things, of, uh, of possibilities. <coughs> The way things move and change. What? How can you say, like in, say, for example, a city like Beirut, which has been having a war for 12, 13 years? Uh, imagine what it'd be like to to have a family, to get married, and have babies, and try to bring them up in a city where you don't know from one moment to the next whether you're going to be shot or your children or your husband or wife or your house is going to be burned down or blown up or whatever. <coughs> well, that's an extreme example. I'm sure Buddhists, uh, uh, Buddhists who don't get enlightened in this time, I'm sure they have enough sense not to get reborn in Beirut. <laughs> Maybe just Muslims do. You know. <laughs> but but it could happen if you're not careful. But maybe maybe in the next lifetime Beirut might be a very nice place. Who knows? These are the uncertainties. The whole life uh, uh, spectrum of of existence is is uncertain unsatisfactory. So uh, 
a nice country like Britain could be turned into a into a polluted battleground in the next year or so. Anything could happen, isn't it? And Mumbati might be a become a, a battlefield. So that the 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 birth being born in in this human world, in this human condition, you know, on this planet, the material world that we're involved in, the sensory world, sensory consciousness is like this. It's unstable, uncertain, it changes, uh, and we cannot find a true refuge or security within any of it. So that's a way of, of looking at the situation that we all share, isn't it, of having been born into the sensory realm and feeling feeling it, being vulnerable, being in, in, in a in a in a shape and form that can be damaged, hurt, bruised, diseased, that grows up, gets old and dies. Mm. Now this is not a, a meant to be a morbid reflection, but was pointing to to what we all have in common. Everyone is involved in this, isn't it? Everyone. From the most fortunate human beings to the least fortunate ones. So this is our commonality. Mm. Brothers and sisters in old age, sickness and death. And this is where all human beings, we have, when we, when we look at the, this side of our human existence, then we don't feel these prejudices and strong views about race and class and sex and nationality and social position and so forth. All these things seem insignificant. When you're looking at the common ground of our humanity that we all have, that we all, I mean, from the from the African Bushman, the Australian Aborigine to Queen Elizabeth. King of Thailand, the Pope. Mrs. Thatcher and Ronald Reagan, Gorbachev. We're all brothers and sisters in old age, sickness and death. Contemplate this sense of I am. I mean, this is put this in the sense of, of a sankara that we that we produce. Immediately we believe in 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 I am this formation. I am this body. I am these feelings. This is I am these thoughts. I am. Then we are say that 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 whole process will stimulate desire, grasping, and becoming. Because we become what we desire. We, whatever we desire, we become that way. So through desire, we, we grasp, and then we become. That process of dana ubadana bhava. We have now in 
having been born, the body is, is now, say, there's consciousness, isn't there? There's vinyana. We're conscious beings. There's consciousness. Anyone unconscious here? <laughs> well, I hope you're all conscious anyway. You can be if you choose to be. Consciousness, there's the body, there's namarupa, isn't there? There's, there's sense organs, there's the eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind, salayatana, there's contact with the sense objects, and there's vedana. Feeling. Now, now this is this this vedana is very much the result of of birth and consciousness. And we and vedana in this sense is applies to sensory experience to its attractive, neutral and and unattractive qualities like vedana through the eye. <coughs> Doesn't mean your 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 eyes hurt. Or feel good. It means it means that your your eyes ache. It means that when you see uh, beautiful flowers, there's attraction. That's the vedana of uh, of attraction. It's pleasing, pleasant, or uh, something ugly, unpleasant, or neutral. Neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Now apply that to all the senses. To the Ears to sound and smell and taste and touch. With thoughts even, don't we? Ability to think. We we have pleasant, neutral and unpleasant. Some of our thoughts are very pleasant. Some are um, neither pleasant nor unpleasant and some are unpleasant. Now this is this is a sensory world. This is the feeling, the 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 vedana, the sensitivity of of these forms. They're totally sensitive conditions, aren't they? These bodies, these namarupas. They're conscious and they feel. It's totally sensitive. This is just the way it is. Being sensitive is like this. If you, if some of you don't want to be, you want, you only want to be sen- partially sensitive, don't you? Because being fully sensitive, you're frightened of, of being totally sensitive. You'd like to become only sensitive to nice things. Uh, and you'd like to, to pray to God, say, Oh God, please, give me everything nice. Only pleasant feelings, and please make everything beautiful for me, and never let me suffer. Always have success and happiness, beautiful people around me, success all the time, and good health and and beautiful appearance till I die. Please, please only the best, God. None of the none of the bad. And that's that's the 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 whinging human mind wanting only partial sensitivity. But the, but the human, say the, the and the vicha or the the, the vicha, the 
the insight knowledge is that sensitivity is both pleasant and neutral and unpleasant. And so we're not, we're not asking for partial sensitivity anymore or for the best of the sensory experiences, but we are opening toward total sensitivity, which includes all possibilities for pain, ugliness, unpleasantness. Avicca, Avicca says, I don't want any pain. I don't want to get ill. I don't want to get old. I don't want to lose my looks. I don't want to to have any unpleasant experiences. I, I want to be happy. That's Avicca. Avicca says, there is suffering. There is uh, the or- origin and the cessation. And there is the the way out of suffering. So this I am, contemplate this during this retreat, this, this I am that, that cries and weeps and <coughs> fears and desires. And what, what are, why are we frightened? What is fear anyway? What are we frightened of and anxious about? The possibilities of pain, isn't it? of being physically harmed, diseased, or emotionally exploited, or hurt in some way, with being rejected, being unloved, unwanted, being looked down on, being despised, being insulted, taken advantage of, being having getting cancer, or AIDS, or leprosy, or Parkinson's disease, or a coronary, or a stroke, or whatever. They're all possible. I mean, I don't want that. I want perfect health. I'm afraid I might have some terrible disease, or I might... I might. I don't care if I, if I have a if I have a heart attack. I just want to die right then to suddenly not go out. What if I get one of those heart attacks where, for the next thirty, forty years, I'm a kind of cabbage. You know, monks have to kind of do everything. Put me on the potty and only humiliating. I don't want that. I couldn't bear to be a nuisance or in the way or to be a burden to anyone. I don't want to be a burden. We're afraid of being a burden, aren't we? We might be a burden to somebody. That's particularly English uh, obsession, isn't it? I don't want to be a burden. So the I am is, is is something to contemplate. And, and observe because this is uh, something that we we're very much convinced that is, is is reality for us for most human beings I am is truth I am is is reality for most human beings because of, of which our 
ัจจัยสังขาร And it's very natural. I mean, it's nothing unnatural to want happiness and want to run away from pain and misery. So, I mean, that's the natural way. See something beautiful, you you grasp, you grasp it, you want it. Something ugly, you want to get rid of it. That's that's the, the natural reaction on the on the sensory plane. But the human. Being is equipped with a reflective mind. I mean, we—if that's all there is to it, then we can't—we can't help it. Then we just have to try to get all the best we can and run away from all the bad. And there's no way out of it. It's each one for themselves. Survival, isn't it? Uh, just get what you can. Get get all the money and all the the nice things for yourself. Because you. You know, if you don't get them, somebody else will. Or it's just survival of the fittest. The, the clever and the strong survive, and the and the stupid and weak will will be at the bottom, be in the pits. But the human condition is one where we reflect. And contemplate this Vedana. We can actually observe. You can just you know, just look at the the flowers on the shrine, or that crystal, beautiful crystal, somebody put there for me to to contemplate, concentrate. It's attractive, beautiful. It's something attractive and beautiful. Is one one looks at it, isn't it? One, it one is likes to look at it. It's attractive. We can actually contemplate what attraction is, what beauty is. We're not just kind of dumb animals that is, we see something beautiful and we just grab and and without we we can actually watch ourselves wanting to grab, wanting to grasp. Wanting to get, wanting to possess the beautiful, we can actually observe and reflect on our aversion to anything ugly or unpleasant. What we want to get rid of: the nasty things, the ugly, smelly, disgusting, foul things of the sensory world. We just please keep get rid of them as quickly as possible. We can contemplate. That aversion and disgust, distaste for the ugly, and we can also contemplate neither attraction, what is neither beautiful or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Just uh, say mindfulness of the breath, isn't it? Is your breath normal breathing? It's neither pleasant nor unpleasant, is it? It's neither attractive nor is it. Unattractive. So that's why you have to pay attention to it, isn't it? Because if your breath were attractive, it would attract you. You, I wouldn't have to say watch your breath. You'd be, you'd be watching your breath because it was so attractive. <laughs> How many of you feel your breath is just so interesting and attractive that 
that no one ever had to tell you to watch your breath because you've been all your life so fascinated by this wonderful ability to breathe. Nor is it uh, unpleasant or, or painful or unattractive. It's neutral, isn't it? Uh, the the anapanasatya, mindfulness of the breath, the object itself is is a physiological function of the body, one of the most important ones, uh, for breathing is the most important physiological function. And the body does it whether we're aware of it, whether we're crazy or, or, or sane or young or old or male or female or rich or poor or whatever, breathing is, is this way. It's neither exciting and interesting, fascinating, nor is it disgusting or revolting. But as we concentrate, bring our attention to breathing of the body, what happens? Is that you, when, I, when I concentrate on my breath, the mind goes tranquil. I feel tranquilized by being able to contemplate concentrate on the on the breathing of this body. Now if I'm aiming at something beautiful, I, it's more interesting, like beauty or excitement, something that's interesting. <coughs> like Anapanasati at first is boring, isn't it, to most people? It's so boring. It does, inhalation, exhalation is just the, the same old thing. It's not interesting. Well, television, say, you turn on the television, it's interesting, isn't it? They try to make television interesting so that they have all kinds of exciting episodes and stories and adventures, romances, all that is interests and, and fascinates, is attractive, exciting. Those advertisements. If they want to, if you want to sell something in this country, you have to make it. Uh, here, British advertising has become enigmatic, isn't it? Shows the kind of mentality of the British, because British people find enigmas interesting. It, it, it's interesting. What do they mean? There's some kind of advertisement and you can't quite figure out what it means. They're not saying exactly, you know, buy uh, buy, buy this soap. It's the best. I mean, that's too gross for the British, isn't it? <laughs> they wouldn't be attracted to anything that was that blunt. <laughs> but if they make it enigmatic and mysterious, then a, a puzzle, and the mind starts playing with it. It's interesting, isn't it? Interest, interesting. Or if they just said, told you the exact truth about the soap they're trying to sell. You know, nothing, nothing enigmatic, uh, no exaggeration, uh, enlisting just just exactly what's in the soap and how it's made and the honest 
to God truth about this this product, it'd be it wouldn't be very interesting for most people, would it? I mean, soap can't, is, is not really very interesting, so you've got to make it interesting. Watching the silk cut advertisements over the years. What a strange thing to have, it's kind of a piece of silk cut. There's nothing. There's nobody, anybody that doesn't live in this country would be totally baffled by that, wouldn't it? And some of the advertisements I see, I don't understand because I'm an American. There's a, there's a certain kind of in uh, national British humor that absolutely means nothing to Americans. And even when it's explained to me, it doesn't mean anything. Now, the, 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 the breathing of the body, neutral Vedana, when, when you say with the sweeping practice, to, to go to just the, the, the uh, feeling of the body, of the pressure, just the posture of sitting, the pressure of the body sitting on the, on the uh, seat and the, the, the clothes touching the skin, neutral feeling. We, we can observe neutral feeling not to mention pleasurable and painful feelings. We can observe um, uh, the Vedana through the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind. The attraction, attractive, neutral, and unattractive. Pleasant, pleasure and pain principle. Now that's just the sensory realm. That's not a person. That's nothing. That's just the way it is. There's nothing wrong with that, nothing bad about it at all. Vedana is all right. All forms, this is the pleasure and the painful and the neutral. They're just what they are. And to be aware of pleasure and pain and, and, and neutral Vedana means that we have to bear it to be to be to really accept it rather than just react to it we reflect on it contemplate it till we really understand it now if we don't do this if we don't contemplate and understand and have insight into vedana then what happens is uh, we we just continue this process of paticca samuppada so that avicca bhajaya sankara and then, uh, and then that affects the consciousness and the, the nama rupa, salayatana, pasa, contact, and vedana. We have desires because vedana conditions dhanha, desire. So if we're not, where well, we can actually break the, the habit, break the chain is through wisely using vicha or wisdom knowledge to contemplate vedana and then we can see we begin to understand how desire arises wanting the the pleasure not wanting the pain 
and just ignoring the, the, the neutral. So much as say, a person that leads a very kind of fast life. What is a fast life? You know, somebody leads a really kind of high-speed, fast life. It's a life based on going from one exciting, thrilling thing to the next, isn't it? And you, you think of a really exciting lifestyle. You know, what, what is it usually involving? Some, some really kind of, kind of frantic attempt to go to, to have extreme experiences, scintillating, fascinating, absolutely fantastic experiences, sensual experiences. Just to have always be, be running about, because yesterday's fantastic sensual experience is boring, isn't it? You have to have a, a new one. You have to want new sensual experiences, new, new uh, romances and adventures, because anything gets boring when it's repeated. And to, and this desire, uh, say, uh, out of, out of avicca, out of ignorance, then we're always having to run about the samsara, the samsara water, or the, the cycles, just the, the endless running about, looking for the next thing, the next interesting thing, the next excitement, the next romance, the next adventure. The next, the next, the next. Notice that in your, uh, just how, how insidious that is in our lives. Uh, even in the monastic life, which points th- to this very clearly, how even monasticism can be, uh, can, uh, even a meditation retreat can still be, we can still be easily caught up in trying to get on to the next thing. Contemplating, you know, sitting here thinking about what we'll do after the retreat. What what we're going to, or trying to to find something to interest to make our lives more interesting here at Amravati. Interesting. What is what is interest? It's it's uh, if we. If we want something interesting, a desire to be interested, interest, things that are interesting are things that are attractive, aren't they? They're, they, they hold our attention. We want to be attracted by something. We want attractive things. We want pleasurable experiences. We want beautiful objects. We want beautiful music and sounds. It's interesting, it interests us, it holds our attention, it pleases and fascinates us. And if it's unpleasant, we, we want, we, we, we dread it. And having, what is a kind of hell realm for most people is the idea of having to be in some place where there's this kind of nothing beautiful, dreary, boring, people, um, gross and coarse, bad odors, coarseness, um, men and women who have, have no culture, no civilization, just, just 
disgusting, foul, stinking kinds of people, brutes and uh, pain, sickness. That's what we, we, we dread we might end up with, might happen to, we might get stuck in some miserable place. So we, we want to, to avoid and get rid of all of that and, and try to get hold of as much of the other as possible. And yet most of our lives are on the neither pleasant nor painful Vedana, isn't it? When you contemplate most of your life, of how many years you've lived, I'm sure that most of you, about 98% of your life, has been neither pleasant nor painful. When I think of my life, there's about 2% that's been highly pleasant and highly painful, and about 98% is neither pleasant nor painful. It's just what it is. Nothing all that interesting or attractive or nothing all that painful and unpleasant. Mm. And yet that 98% of one's life can be go by totally unnoticed, not even, not even noticed, because we, we are so attached to the extreme of waiting for the next thing, longing and expecting and hoping and and, uh, and then dreading and fearing about possibilities of, of not getting, not having any more pleasure, not having any, any and not having a good time. Mm. But just think of a day here at Amavati, how much of it is, is really pleasurable or painful? Or anywhere, anywhere in the world. So the Buddha advises to bring our attention to the neither pleasant nor painful Vedana because if we can really uh, begin to accept and notice neither pleasure nor pain, that means we have to be attentive and alert because it's not, it's not attractive nor repulsive. So it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make us react, does it? It doesn't. It, it doesn't hold. It doesn't uh, stimulate our mind at all. So we we have to look at it, observe it, notice it, bring our attention to it, be awake to it. That's why in meditation, you know, we we sit and we stand and we walk and we lie down. Four basic postures: normal breathing, sound of silence, all these kind of ordinary things that are so ordinary but are not pleasurable nor painful. And we have to, we, if we, we, we bring our attention to them, we notice them, we have to be alert and attentive to them in, in our practice. The practice of mindfulness is that way. Bringing our attention to the, say in this in Vedanana Sati, mindfulness of Vedanana.
Now to study Vedana, we're not just trying to, to live a very kind of neutral existence. We're not attaching to neutrality either. As, I mean, we're not trying to attach to, to neither pleasure nor pain. But being, bringing attention to it means that we, we have to, to put effort into, into just sitting, standing, walking, lying down, and being awake, being here and now. We have to, to pay attention. We have to learn to concentrate the mind, compose our mind, and notice that which is so ordinary and common that we, we overlook it all the time. Always looking at something that is interesting or beautiful. Or dwelling on the, the lack of beauty or the ugliness of something. So, Vedana conditions Dhanha. So dhanha is what? Then what is what is dhanha? A word for desire, translated as desire. What is dhanha? It's that when you're not aware and alert to the way things are, then you want or do not want. So that the, from the Vedana, if it's pleasurable, you want it. If it's painful, you don't want it. So that there's a sensual, sensual desire, gama dhanha, uh, wanting uh, just sensory pleasure, just a sensualist, just going around having eating and and uh, drinking and and listening to music and just living a very distracted life of sensual pl- delight is gama dhanha. We all know that, don't we? We've all. Uh, experienced karma dhanha, power dhanha, desire to become, ambition, isn't it? To become something. Bhava is, a, is the becoming, desire to become something. I want to become something. I want to become a success. I want to become enlightened. I want to become good. I want to become uh, admired and respected. I want to become or vipavadana, desire to get rid of. That's a strong one in, in us, isn't it? Let's get rid of all the ugly things, the, the bad thoughts, the bad feelings, the pain, the imperfection. Get rid of. The desire to get rid of. Vipavadana. Now we can observe these these three kinds of desires, karma-dhanna, power-dhanna, vipa-dhanna. We can observe, we can reflect on them, notice them, examine, investigate them. Because they're not, they're not, uh, they're, they're objects of the mind. They're mental objects, they're mind objects. They're not, they're not, they're not the subject. Desire is not you, in other words. The desire is not the subject. But it becomes a subject out of heedlessness, out of vicha, out of avicha, rather. Out of avicha, you grasp desire, 
and you become the desires. I want this and I don't want that. I want to become a success. I don't want to become a failure. I've got to get rid of these faults. I've got to get rid of these bad habits. I've got to get rid of that which I don't want and don't like and is painful. And I want to become something. The grasping of desire and then you become somebody who wants things or doesn't want things. You become a person who wants things and doesn't want things. And that's endless, isn't it? When we become persons who want things and don't want things, that just goes on and on and on and on. There's no... We, we, there's always something we want, something we don't want. If we don't awaken and observe this process, then our whole life is just this, this cycle. What the samsara, this endless cycle going around and around of wanting, being somebody, becoming somebody who wants something, becoming somebody who doesn't want something. And then that, of course, conditions rebirth, jati, jaramarana, sokapariteva, tukatomanasa, upayasa. Conditions rebirth, old age, sickness, death, grief, anguish, sorrow, despair, depression, misery. Because we've got to, we've always, we're somebody who's always trying to get something or get rid of something. And that is such a painful way to live, to be somebody who always has to be getting something or getting rid of something. Just contemplate that. What is, what is real suffering in your life? When you think you've suffered, what is it that you suffer from? From being somebody who wants things or doesn't want things. So the suffering in this, when we talk about the first noble truth of dukkha, we're wanting to this this, we all have this, the suffering, don't we? When, we're, when there's a vicha, when there's ignorance, then we suffer. Our life is, is going to be a realm of suffering. And we can see it so clearly in a country like Britain, can't we? Where our suffering isn't kind of like the suffering of starvation and deprivation and brutality. We live in a very nice country. We have very nice things, very civilized materially well-off, a good government, um, a very pleasant, very uh, extremely pleasant and, and uh, peaceful country to live in. There's nothing really wrong with this country. I mean, we, can, we can create all kinds of problems about it, but actually it is a very nice country, very pleasant situation. Very pleasant situation to be in. But we still want something and we don't want things. Isn't it? 
And I can't imagine, even if we could make Britain perfect, according to kind of utopian Britain, we still want something and not want something. <laughs> because we hadn't really... We, even when we get everything we want, there's more we want and things that we don't want. And just trying to satisfy all our desires and get everything we want is not the answer, is it? That's not the way out of suffering, is, by, is to satiate our desires and get everything we want and get rid of everything we don't want because that process doesn't end until you see it, until you use vicha rather than avicha. So it has become very, very uh, obvious in affluent Western Europe, isn't it? In places like America and Australia. Affluent societies where people get very much what they want. But the misery, so much misery and suffering in affluent countries is from what? What is the misery of uh, the, the, the suffering of people in this country about? It's wanting and not wanting. So contemplate that, this, this wanting and not wanting, desire, the grasping of desire. Now with Vedana, you see, if you, if you contemplate Vedana, then you see that that's just the natural way, the attraction, repulsion, and neither is just an, a sense being sensitive. Like, say, the flowers right now are, to me, attractive. When I look at, when my vision, my eyes contact the, the shape of those flowers, the color of those flowers, it's attractive, it's nice to look at them. Now that's just the, the natural way of things. There's no desire in that. And I'm just contemplating, saying right now in my mind, there's no, I don't want those flowers. <laughs> I don't want to get rid of them either, but I don't want them. There's nothing wanting or not wanting, it's that they're still pleasing, their attractiveness is this way. That's the Vedana. Or something ugly, something uh, like these curtains here on the... <laughs> now I find those curtains ugly. Whenever I come in this room, I, my, my mind is, those curtains are ugly. So, so that, they, that one doesn't really, you know, want to look at them. But I can be aware of, of, the, the, of the displeasure of when my eyes contact those curtains. Without desiring to get rid of them. It's just awareness of their unattractive, of the unattractiveness. Or the wall, say, which is neither attractive nor unattractive. Just the, the, the neutral wall. Now, just reflecting in this way, then you see that, that that's just the way 
the, the natural way of things, the attraction and aversion, neither attractive nor averse, of the Vedana. Then desire is what we add, like those flowers. Oh, I really like those. I want those flowers. I, I want to have those flowers in my room. I've got to have those flowers. Or, oh, those curtains. I wish they'd get rid of those curtains. Really upset me. Dwelling on the unattractive, wanting to get rid of the curtains, wanting to get grab the flowers. And of course, not even noticing the walls. Unless something attractive or, uh, or unattractive appears on the wall. Or say the space in the room. This space in this room. Space is neither attractive nor unattractive, is it? So, contemplate in this way, what is desire? When, when you're feeling pain in your body, if you, if you re- reflect on the actual physical sensation of pain, then you become aware of, the, of adding to that sensation with desire to get rid of it, aversion to it, isn't it? Notice where, where does it, where, just the actual sensation on the, uh, that you have in the body and the aversion to it, desire to get rid of the, the, the pain. With the, with the breath, notice that, that it doesn't arouse desire. Maybe you have a desire to concentrate your mind, desire to become bhavadana, to become one who has samadhi or something like that. So you're, you know, I'm going to practice anapanasati so I can become someone who has, who can get the jhanas. I want to become a person that can, that can attain jhana. That's a, because the actual breathing is neither attractive or, or interesting nor unattractive. But the goal of, of jhana, getting jhanas, is attractive, isn't it? For most people, the idea of attaining jhanas is attractive, to become somebody who can get jhanas is attractive. So we can go about doing anapanasati with that, with that desire to, to, attain, to become somebody who's, who's, who has that, who, who can do that. Or you have, you have a, a distracted mind, the mind wanders, it doesn't do what you want. You want to concentrate it on the breath, but it, every time you start it wanders off. And then you want to become someone, you want to get rid of, of the distracted mind. You want, to, you want to become someone who has a composed and concentrated mind and not be someone, become someone who is a wandering distracted mind. The desire, vipavadana, desire to get rid of the wandering, distracted mind by becoming somebody who has a concentrated mind and can attain the jhanas. 
Now this is a way of reflecting on desire, desire to become, desire, desire for sense, pleasure, desire to become, desire to get rid of. When we grasp those desires, if we if we just if we really contemplate and know Vedana exactly, and and, and through through vicha, through knowledge, through sati and panya, then we don't create desire. There's still the the pleasure, the pain, the neither pleasant nor painful, but things are as they are. There's the suchness, the way things are. It's the Dhamma, the truth. So there's no suffering when things are as they are. Suffering is is the result of dana ubadana power. And then we have jati jaramaranang sokapariteva tukatomanasa upayasa. The whole sequence of misery follows from dana ubadana power. So contemplate that during this retreat with this, uh, this theme of Patita Samupada. It's beginning to... Isn't it the desire to get rid of desire is still a trap of the mind, isn't it? It's not, ge- not getting rid of, but understanding. It's the way of knowing. Vicha rather than avicha. Panya. Wisdom, mindfulness. So that's enough for this evening.